So Dave, you're on the show now. That bit in Ocean Planet, what were they? Yeah, just bumping harmonics. Sweet. Welcome to Thrown In at the Shallow End. I'm your host, Robert McGinn, and today's guest, you may have heard already, is David Spencer. Would you prefer Dave or David? Uh, either. I don't mind. Fair enough. Dave. We'll go with Dave. Yeah. And the... Well, we're doing an album again. We're back with another album review. It's not going to be every week album reviews. It's just they're quite easy to, easy to do in the first few setups. Unless, you know, someone suggests something like, I don't know, top of my head, Final Fantasy VII yeah. or something like that. Might take you a while, that one. But... <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try and get cracking on it, but no promises. Um, so yeah, the album we're listening to, t- well, if you would like to introduce the album that we're listening to today. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, Unstoppable Momentum by Joe Satriani. That was a question I did. I did a little bit of background watching into some of the videos he's done, like some of the yep. interviews he did around it. Yeah. One thing that immediately stuck out to me... He says it's Satriani. Ah, yeah. I, I, well, yeah. I guess it's Italian, so it probably yeah. it makes sense. But yeah, yeah I'm going gonna, gonna to be saying Satriani the whole time because it's just yeah. how I've heard yeah, it's, it. it's just how I've always said it. So yeah. I suppose. Well, the first question I'd like to know is, um, what's your history with Joe Satriani? So basically, uh, he's the reason I'm playing guitar. Um, really. So, and you've been playing guitar for how long, sorry? Uh, so it was since I was just about 16, so almost 10 years now. <laughs> <I'm off. laughs> We're old. <laughs> yeah. But wow, so that was... Um, I knew he was up there with, like, Vi, but would you say he's number one in terms of your guitar idols? Yeah, for me, yeah, definitely. And do you remember what the album was that got you into? Uh, so it was Surfing with the Alien. Basically, um, all through school... I, I used to hate music. It was so boring. Um, and I didn't take it as a GCSE subject, but towards the end of school, I uh, it, for the last like year and a half, I ended up in the Steel Pans Band. Uh, a friend of mine persuaded me to go along to it. He'd been doing it for years. I actually really enjoyed it. I ended up being a lead player for that. Um, but then, obviously, once school had finished, that was kind of it. I, I didn't have any association with music anymore, well, playing music anymore. But yeah, basically, uh, I was actually playing Guitar Hero 3. Um, and... Yeah. While playing through that, I started off, I was really bad, couldn't do anything, and gradually got better and better, could play everything on expert. And all, all the time playing it, I just kept thinking, I really wish I could play proper guitar. Why don't I play proper guitar? And then yeah. on, uh, I think it was in the DLC songs, Surfing with the Alien was there. I remember just playing that song, and immediately was just like, ah, I'm picking up a guitar, I, I don't care, I'm doing it, I'm going to learn guitar. And obviously, yeah, from there I just got into more of his stuff, gradually learnt guitar and eventually learnt to play Surfing with the Alien and yeah from there just got into more of his music Right and that was the um, I didn't like um, I didn't realise it really went back to cause I, I, I don't know why in my mind you were always just playing the guitar Yeah yeah. I guess it's not something I've, I've never really talked about how I got into guitar yeah. Um, but yeah it was it was literally from as I say Guitar Hero 3 was kind of it was building all the way through that that I wanted to play guitar but then as soon as I heard Surfing with the Alien I was just yeah I want to play guitar like that That that's how I want to play yeah that is like I mean as I say like this is getting me into Joe Satriani whatever uh, Satriani and it's not literally my first experience with him and the first yeah. one I had was Surfing with the Alien and I do remember having like I'll try and learn that yeah <laughs> but I was sort of like dee 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 yeah, and it's like it didn't really work. For me. Yeah, that, that's. Um, I mean, I guess maybe uh, we'll be getting onto sort of why I chose this album, but that's kind of, that brings into it. And, yeah. Well, as you say, that was the next question. The next, yes. Yeah. So basically, um, with with things like Surfing with the Alien, originally uh, Satriani used to play basically all the instruments apart from the drums. Right. And at that time, as far as I know, guitar instrumental albums kind of weren't really a thing. So he can't, there was much more of a focus on he had to make the guitar the focal point and it had to be really interesting and all these crazy solos and stuff to actually make it an album worth putting out there. Mm. Um, whereas nowadays, he, he's got more freedom to do what he wants. He's, he plays with full bands now and kind of gives them freedom to play whatever they want to kind of play. Uh, so you end up with more interesting drums, bass. There's now, especially on this album, there's quite a heavy use of keyboards. Yeah, that was something in, I'd made a note of, yeah. In my opinion, that makes the album feel much bigger uh, than some of, maybe some of the older songs used to. 
Okay. And I, I think that was kind of, I can't remember the exact words you used, but I seem to remember you saying things like songs off Surfing With the Air and kind of just guitar wanking. Something like that. Yeah, I mean, I've subsequently gone back and listened to a few, and some of them st- I wouldn't call Surfing with Alien itself still. And yeah. I, looking I, at I it, th- I think your example was Ice Nine uh, yeah. for just crazy soloing. Yeah, and there there is certainly a market for that, but it's not exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, and again, just sort of going spoilers a bit into this album, it's not what I found in this album either. And it's one of those things where I think I was a little unfair to label Satriani as just guitar wanking. Yeah, because when you look, compare him to someone like Malmsteen, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing like that. No. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say more, much more of his more recent work is kind of more standard kind of song structure with less of an emphasis on crazy soloing. There are still solos in there. There are still crazy bits, but there's much less of an emphasis on that than maybe there used to be in some of the older albums. Okay. And so um, I suppose comparing it to the other albums, how would you stack it up? Do you directly compare it to other albums, or do you think it's its own separate thing, given how different it is? It's quite a tough one because, to be honest, it's over the. I think it's his, this one was like his sixteenth studio album or something, um, and he's released two more since then. And they're always there's always similarities, but there are it's always quite different the kind of direction he goes on and the kind of overall feel of the album, but. If I had to place it, I'd say it's probably it's in my top three of oh, wow, really? his albums. Obviously, like I'd put Surfing with the Alien number one, and then just in terms of as an overall album, pretty much every song is I feel is great on this album. Whereas maybe some of the older ones, there's a few that aren't fantastic. But then there are songs on older albums that probably are better than what's on this album. But yeah. standalone songs here and there. It's a consistent album, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, much more consistent in my opinion. Hmm. And it was interesting. I think it was the um, what was interesting for me listening to it is because back in the day I really didn't like instrumental music. Yeah, I don't know why. Without some form of vocal melody, even given how melodic he can be, yeah, any sort of vocal melody without that, I sort of lost interest over a whole album. Yeah, but I was listening to a Joe Satriani interview, and it was a very it was a very interesting thing that I. It was directly opposite to what I used to think, which is where he was saying, like, the song names. Yeah. But he was saying for this album, he didn't always... He didn't go in and tell everyone he was playing with what the song name was going to be. Yeah, I think I've seen this video as well. And he was saying um, it came from other songs, like Crying, I think he mentioned, from The Extremist. Yeah, yeah. Where Crying is often seen as, like, a love song, or it was played over, like, in some country, they played it as, like, the background to, like, a sports promo sort of thing. Yeah. And it was actually a song about his dad dying. And like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently it's a song about his dad dying, but he was looking for, he was trying to find some sort of positive outlook in that yeah. despair, uh, despairing yeah. time. And it's that sort of thing where, like, back in the day, I used to think, oh, that's pointless. No one's going to really get what the song's about then. But I really, I really much more appreciate it now how the artist can have a, uh, an interpretation of it, the audience can have an interpretation, and neither is inherently more valid than the other one. And that was something I really enjoyed thinking about going through this this album. Yeah, because I think he said with this one, uh, he had some really like weird, maybe just the scale name as the working title or some kind of crazy working title to try and get the yeah. other musicians to play maybe in a certain way. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you track three used to be called Fast Robot. Yeah, yeah. But the, um, yeah, I suppose we can actually get into the track review if you'd like. Yeah, sure. Cool. So uh, track one is the title track, Unstoppable Momentum. Yep. And that is... If if it's not my favourite track on the album, it's fighting for favourite track on the album. Because yeah. it's really good. It's got this great 5-4 groove to it. It's just a, a very good mix of what I was hoping to find with Satriani, which is a good mix of... Yeah, the melody and... Yeah, melody, but also impressive instrumental. Yeah. I, I quite find the, the rhythm section that it starts with and obviously goes on throughout. It's quite nice and sort of almost ambient kind of music. It is, actually, yeah. And that crops up a few times on the album, actually, but... Yeah. That much mellower sound than I was expecting. Yeah. Although apparently there's, I don't know if you've seen this, I was, again, just in the interview, there's apparently a technique he uses in this called the meat cleaver. I uh, Yes, it's something he taught Chad Smith, is it? I, I think the drummer from Chili Peppers, so probably not. But. No, I'm sure it, it, like, really? it, was wanting, it was wanting to put, learn something on guitar. And it's, <laughs> apparently it's this, I, I don't know exactly know what it is, but it's this, he, at the time Satriani said it was this useless technique that like you'd never ever use. Oh, right. And then apparently on this album, 
Yeah, he, f- he found the perfect point to use it. I, I don't know exactly what it is. Well, apparently, apparently, what it is, you use your left hand to depress the whammy bar, right. and with your right hand, you sort of just chop on the up top strings of the neck, yeah, but at like different, <laughs> at different, at different places to get the right harmonic, yeah, yeah, feeling. Okay, yeah, well, that was a cool thing I just heard in the interviews about this song. Um, the ending's really good. The drumming on the end, yes, yes, yeah, yeah how it how, how it just goes crazy, yeah. Because apparently, I looked into the personnel on the album, and apparently, he's a very well-respected drummer. Like he, like Satriani was really, really excited that he got for the album. Yeah, I think he's basically he's regarded as pretty much one of the best drummers in the world. I think I can see why he's a really good drummer on this album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I think just one of the notes I made here, which is it's a really good opener, and it's interesting. It shows a lot of techniques, but it's not what I would describe as noodly and like. Yeah, it's, it's not in your face. Yeah, it's a really good introduction to the album. Then we go on to the next track, which is uh, "Can't Go Back." Um, this is one. This is where we mentioned that there's more keyboards on this album. Yeah, I think there was a really good interplay between the guitar and the keyboards. Yeah, feeding feeding off one another. But I thought it had like a. This is what I wasn't expecting from a Satriani album. I would describe this as a disco track. Yeah, almost. Yeah, almost. Okay, it's got a disco tra- it's a disco feel to it. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of thing with Satriani. I guess on t- on t- once you've listened to maybe more of his stuff, he has got yeah. a very wide variety of the kind of stuff. Yeah, he does. Like there's um. There's like a soul funk kind of song uh, in one. I think it's which albums? I think that's on Flying in a Blue Dream. Um, but yeah, obviously, a, a lot of the Flying in a Blue Dream stuff. There's vocals on that album as well, so oh, right. that's something that maybe you wouldn't expect. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, there's all sorts of different styles he uses. Um, in in particular, I guess maybe. There's, a, there's an album I'd probably suggest to you, and I guess maybe we'll can come back to that later. Was this Shockwave Supernova? Uh, that that would be one, but there's there's another one, uh, Engines of Creation. Okay. It's, that's essentially a techno album. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of a, an experimental album for him. It's basically everything's kind of all digitally messed about with, and it's all, yeah. It, it, as I say, techno album's kind of the best way of describing it. It's 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 a weird album, but it is good. If you're going to be making up music for as long as he has been making music, you're going to try branching out into these different styles. I need to give that a listen, actually, then. Uh, Yeah, but is there much more to say about Can't Go Back? It is a good track. It's got a great sense of melody on it. And it's a my very upbeat sort of da- danceable number almost. I, I've just got things like I I love the kind of like the bassy intro, uh, the wah riff fits in really nicely, things like yeah. that. Um, uh, the, the when the double track to ascending runs come in, uh, I quite like that part. Yeah, that, well, there's a few bits in the um in this album where they do a lot of like little climbing bits and falling bits. Yeah, I'll probably highlight a few of them, but yeah, this was one of the tracks that had that as well. Yeah, I th- one point as a negative that I can pick up on this one is I felt it. It just ends on a chord. It kind of builds for a while and just ends on a chord. I felt maybe just a fade out might have worked better for that. That's that's a fair point. But that, that's probably the only thing I can pick up with it. I mean, this is this is again the sort of thing where if that's the sort of level of critique we're bringing to yeah. the, a song, it's not going to be too bad. <laughs> yeah. So then we go on to track three, Lies and Truth, which eh, yeah probably does actually beat out Unstoppable Momentum for my favourite track on the album. Yeah, I I really like this track. I love the concept behind it. I uh, didn't know what the concept is, sorry. So it's kind of like the verses, the, the, kind of like the dark, bassy sounding riffs and low end notes, kind of like the lies, and then it builds up kind of optimistically to the chorus, which is then tr- really kind of trebly and upbeat, and that's the truths. Okay. That's really, that's quite interesting, actually, yeah. yeah. And I say, like, the rhythm at the intro does have that much darker feeling yeah. to it. Yeah. And it's got that cool. It sounds like he's doing that thing where he just hits the whammy bar in the right rhythm yeah. and pitch, but that's really cool. And the the drums, again, like Unstoppable Momentum, the, yeah. the groove at that intro, like the sort of slightly jarring, janky sort of sound is really yep. good. But they're still compelling. They're not like sort of all over the place. And, yeah. Um, again, the organ and the interplay with the guitar. Um, the keyboards were really quite prominent and a lot more prominent than I was expecting from a Joe yeah. Satriani album. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as far as I know, I think this is the first album where he uses Mike Keneally, who is on the guitar and keyboards, and oh. yeah, he's amazing. He, I don't think he's playing with him live anymore, but from it was this album onwards that, that I think it was for maybe two or three tours he's played. All right, and yeah, he, he can literally he can play guitar and keyboard at the same time. Yeah, yeah, he, he's amazing. <laughs> wow, that's a good person to get. And there was also the um. A really good pick tapping thing, which he does yeah. 
He yeah, does a lot, and I really like kind of yeah, yeah. But um, and the great I think harmonies are highlighted as well. I lo- I love guitar harmonies at the best of times. And yeah, this album's peppered with them. So yeah, that was probably my favorite track. Yeah, I think it's probably one of my favorites. With with maybe the next track, possibly my favorite. Three sheets to the wind. Yeah, I really like this one. I'm going to disagree with you there. All right. This was possibly my least favourite of the album. All right. That's Just because I thought it was very different. And it, don't get me wrong, like, Three Sheets to the Wind being a euphemism for being drunk. Yeah. The intro captures that perfectly. Yeah. That very sort of, like, swaying, woozy feeling. Yeah. But I couldn't get over the fact that it just sounds really goofy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I take that point. Yeah. There are bits in the mid, you know, the middle bit where he starts soloing and everything is cool. But when yeah. it just starts going into like the bum bum bum, <laughs> it sounds yeah. like it's like background music as they're panning across a I don't know like a bandstand in an old film. Like I don't know, it's not. Yeah, it's I got like the horn yeah, section, but it's yeah. not. I don't know if it really works. That was. I think I've made a note here. It's like um, sounds a bit like a tech demo for music software. Almost, maybe. This is just my. This is just my my opinion. You can disagree entirely. You can tell me I'm full of. Oh, we've said wank. I can say I shit. Mean, it's fine. Uh, Again, <laughs> yeah. Again, it's I can't. I just really like like the concept. Like, apparently, I've, again, this was from watching one of his videos. It's kind of. I think his idea behind this song was kind of like a, this guy in really dressed up in coat and tails. And he's had one what, like one too many cocktails. Oh yeah. So yeah, he's, he's he's trying to stumble home and kind of like the bits where it gets all really crazy and there's like the sirens and stuff going off. It's that's kind of meant to symbolise him getting into trouble oh, right. and kind of like when it all just goes quiet it's kind of yeah it's like somehow he's got out of that situation and then yeah it kind of resolves and he f- finds his way home so that, so again it's one of them it's kind of co- it's a concept song that does actually uh, that, that does make it sound that like quite better as well i just yeah. I, it's not the sort of sound i'd ever go back to listen to yeah it. it's it, i guess it's the kind of thing that you wouldn't without hit, seeing the video yeah. and knowing obviously you know it's kind of meant to be about being drunk yeah but you maybe won't pick up on the getting into trouble business and finally sort of stumbling home uh, immediately I can certainly appreciate the song. Like, it's not like yeah. this is total garbage. It's worthless. It's just yeah. not something I typically go back and listen to. So it's arguably my. Oh, it's probably my least favorite. But that's yeah, not saying an awful lot to be honest. But. Yeah, for me, it's it's just because of how different it is that I I really like it. That's true. Um, but yeah, to be honest, I, I, I must admit, I, maybe it isn't my favorite. I, I think probably Lies and Truths is actually my favorite. And to be honest, that when I saw that live, Lies and Truths was amazing. I can imagine that would be an amazing song live. Yeah. That's the thing, Satriani, I'm a, I reckon, even if you aren't that into his music, he, he'd be really good to see live. Yeah, it's yeah, it's an, it was an amazing show. To be honest, that, that's another reason why this album really sticks out for me. This was the first time I saw him live for this album. Oh, that is, that's fair, yeah, that is really... I could see like a lot of these tracks being really, really a spectacle to see live. Yeah. I suppose then we move on to track five, which is I'll Put a Stone on Your Cairn, which a cairn is some sort of stone monument. Yeah, stone monument, yeah. yeah. However, um, going back to the thing he mentioned before about, you know, the audience having a perception of a song and he has his own personal perception that he doesn't necessarily let anyone know. Yeah. Uh, A cairn is also a breed of dog. Right. So I I like to think that he's written this long, quiet, sort of Celtic sounding interlude track about stoning someone's dog to death. (laughs) Oh, I like it. (laughs) I highly doubt that is the actual (laughs) Probably not. It is probably probably about someone passing. Yeah. But but yeah, I really do like this... um, yeah, this is one of my favourites. Yeah. It's just the, the fact that it's so stripped back, there's, there's literally just keys and guitar. Yeah, it's got that lovely drone, like I mentioned, like it's got a Celtic sort of sound. It's a very yeah. visual song, you could imagine. It does paint a picture in your mind, this one, of standing on some craggy outcrop somewhere, yeah. wind whipping about you, and there's a monument to someone. It's a, it's a very short song, but it's a really good addition. It really breaks up the album, in, and it gives a nice bit of respite before going into A Door yeah. Into Summer which I could imagine it being a really good summer driving song. Yeah, definitely. Like, if you, if I was ever in the States in a convertible or something, this would be one of the tracks I'd like to listen to. Yeah, I mean, one, one of the things I've got is, like, yeah, it fits the title perfectly. It, yeah. it does really just feel like, yeah, a summer song. Yeah. You just get that feeling immediately. Which was nice to get away from in January. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this was one of the bits where... Thinking back when listening to this about how I used to describe Joe Satriani about, oh, he's just guitar wing, he's just like nearly noodling all the time. And yeah. this was the song I think I noticed where, like, I really missed the mark here because it's very melodic, this yeah. song in particular. And again, going back to that interplay between the keyboards and the guitars creates this, it is melody and counterpoint uh, and everything. It's not yeah. just craziness all the time. 
Yeah, that, that's one of the things about Joe Satriani. I mean, he, the amount of music knowledge that he has is incredible. He always, like, there's always these little things in there that maybe you won't pick up on immediately, but there's some theory reason behind why he's done it. Um, but yeah, it's I think probably this album in particular, there's a lot of kind of points like that. Mm. Yeah, that was um, one of my favourite tracks, that one. Yeah, it probably doesn't get quite as high as like, Unstoppable Momentum and Lies and Truth, but it shows like it's sort of you're halfway through the album, but he's not put any filler in really. Yeah, like, even yeah. The, even the song I didn't particularly care for, I appreciate what he was going for with it. Yeah, like it's, it's, it, yeah. Do, it doesn't feel like he's just gone. Ah, here's a tune. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's most most of the time like yeah, he's he's always got some kind of concept behind every song. There's always a reason for it to be there. Uh, I think uh, in particular this this song, Adoring to Summer. I think he wrote this. Ages. I think this was kind of around the time of Summer Song. Oh, right. So this will be like 90s or so. But he'd not, obviously at that time it's kind of just a demo. He'd not actually finished it out. And whenever he does things like that, if he if it's not right, he doesn't release it and he waits and he'll change it slightly and wait for the right, maybe the right band members to do something with the song. Okay. Um, and, and then once he, know, once he feels it's right, that's when he puts it into an album. Ah. Well, that's very admirable. Yeah. You can tell he really does take the fact that this is his job very seriously. Yeah. He's not overly flippant or dismissive about anything. He really does take everything he does very, very seriously. Yeah. You get that impression both in his music and if you listen to him speak about his music as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, then we move on to track seven, uh, Shine on American Dreamer. And this had a great um, sort of running rhythm, I thought. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, I would have said it was a bit more average. It wasn't quite as good as, say, like A Door Into Summer. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that one. I mean, it's it's one of those I, I, I've got here. It's kind of a very optimistic sounding song, mm. uh, as yeah, as the title suggests, and then kind of a, especially as it gets into the chorus when it lifts up a bit more. Yeah, it is done well. It's just I don't yeah. think it stands out as much. It's yeah, it's definitely. sandwiched between two very good songs, so yeah, it's a fine track. It's not going to blow anyone's mind, but it's I still even wouldn't really classify it as filler. Yeah, and I, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, it's a valid standalone track, but it's. More towards that ear, uh, that side of things, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I, one thing I've got here is that it maybe goes on a little bit too long. Uh, the end rhythm kind of just goes on and on and on, mm. and then it just comes to an end. And it could maybe have been, I don't know, 30 seconds shorter or something. Yeah. But yeah, other, other than that, yeah, like you say, it's, it's, it's a good song. It's not filler by any means. Yeah, but it's... It's one of the... The least impressive the, songs. Least impressive, yeah. Yeah. But then we move into Jumping In, yeah. which has got a, a great riff. I think this actually is a contender for my favourite song on this album. Yeah, it is very good. The riff that it just comes in with, yeah, it's just such a good riff. Yeah. Sometimes you can just... Straight straight in your face. Sometimes you, that's all you need in a song. You're just like, oh, I've got a really good riff. I'm just going to play yeah. around that. But then it's got the bits like we were mentioning before, like the climbing middle eight yeah. that comes back in later on. It's got a nice clean section in the middle of it. One of the things I've got written down here is the fact that this is kind of like the most prog-like song. That was another reason why I picked this album, actually, because yeah. I felt it, it was probably his most kind of proggy album. Okay. And anyone that's known you for more than five minutes yeah. knows you love prog. Yeah, that's me, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but I can see that, especially considering it goes from, you know, this really energetic riff into this climbing section, into like a clean section, into, again, like another weird funk disco section, back into the climbing yeah. section. It moves about all the place, and it all works seamlessly with one another. Yeah, and then it just gradually builds to this crazy ending where yeah. everyone just starts going crazy on everything. It's just like some sort of huge chaotic outro, but yeah. it's brilliant. Yeah, the change, I think I noticed in particular, from the weird like octave bass disco-y sort of feel back into the riff, yeah. really, really well done. That was like yeah. Some of them were like nice changes, but that was a really like seamless transition that was really, worked really well. Yeah. And I suppose, does it does it get paired with Jumping Out, just because of the time? Yeah, it's... Um... It was kind of, as far as I know, the concept was kind of, it, it always had these two songs um, that he knew needed to be together. Yeah. Um, and I think the concept is kind of exactly what we've been saying, kind of this build up for jumping in, just starting to go crazy and then jumping out kind of, it starts, hits you in the face and then it's kind of like, well, what, what, have, I, what have I just been listening yeah. to? <laughs> and then again, they start to go a bit crazy. Uh, on jumping out for a, to finish it off. Oh yeah, it's an, that's another chaotic outro, but it's got that little bit in the middle where like the drums. There's probably some mixing term, but it just sounds like they just move further, like they're, like they're being played in a different room, like through a door. Yeah, there'll be some kind of effect they can put on it. Uh, yeah, whatever it is, like they have. It's another like great riff. You can tell they work together because it's just like riffs 
parts yeah. flowing into one another and huge chaotic outros again. But yeah, that was this was a really good section of the album, I think, just these yeah. two tracks together. In the middle you need the middle of an album you need something to sort of kick it back towards yeah. the end and these yeah. two really do kick it off. Yeah, definitely. So then we go from them. We're sorry if you were done with those two. Uh, yeah, I'm not really um I mean, I guess I've just got things like the the bridge section in Jumping Out. I really stood out. Great melody there. Mm. Uh, I love the crazy sound effects that are in that song. Um, yeah. And just the fact that it kind of starts out very dark and then gets brighter towards the end again. Mm. Well, um, it's, again, it's got another one of those climbing sections that we've spoken about before. So yeah. it just sort of just builds and builds and builds and then it goes down and builds and builds and builds again. Yep. It's, yeah, again, and it just builds to this crazy outro like we mentioned. These two songs together are a really strong part of the album. I'm not sure I yeah. put them as my favourite, but they're a really, really they're strong and well done. But yeah. yeah. Then we go into Weight of the World, which I would say is probably the oddest track that he's done on this. Yeah. Behind, I, I'd, I'd say, th- like we, you mentioned earlier, Three Sheets of the Wind. Yeah. That, that, I'd say that's his oddest. That, mm, the, he... Then this is probably close to it. That. That was the oddest... Well, this is actually going to the point that you brought up that I didn't know when I made these notes, that he'd made a techno album. But I yeah. I hadn't really ever appreciated like that he could be using synths in the way he does here. Yeah. And it was like, Three Sheets of the Wind, I could still see as like, oh, that's a Joe Satriani song. It's just, yeah. it's an odd-sounding Satriani song, but it's... Yeah, it's still primarily kind of guitar-based. Yeah, this one is a... Yeah. It opens... The opening I described as either um, an old-fashioned PS1 kung fu game or like the ad for like a spa somewhere. I don't know why it just yeah. really it really caught me off guard that intro. It's not bad. It's just really what I was expecting especially after jumping out and that intro. I went back and listened to it again and it doesn't actually sound like it but for some reason it reminded me of Escape from New York, the music from that. Oh, I've not actually seen that but uh, but it, it kind of I don't know why it just so as I say it, I it immediately got reminded of that but then I actually went and listened to it and it wasn't actually that close to it but for some reason i got that i got that association it captures the same sort of feeling of it yeah okay i've also described it as just it's really 80s this sound yeah definitely uh one of one of the things i've got down is like obviously it kind of builds in with the synth and very little amounts of guitar and then i just when the drums kick in mm. I, I really like that transition yeah it is a really good it's again none of these songs are badly put together like you yeah. can tell he had an idea of what he wanted to do and then he's implemented it really well it, again, it was just like a eighties sci-fi film, but like yeah. Weight of the World even sounds like a sci-fi film title. Yeah, it could it's, be. It was a very, it was really out of out of left field this one, and it was good. I enjoyed it, but I was mostly sitting through it, going, "I was not expecting this. Yeah. This is really not what I was expecting from Joe, Joe Satriani." And it suppose it, it speaks to his credit as a musician and someone who can play a diverse range of music. Yeah, outside the box, not what you'd expect. Exactly, because I was expecting. I was going to hear Surfing with the Alien 11 times, essentially. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you listen to more of his stuff, there are there's a very wide range of styles that he uses. There's there's all sorts. Um, I could probably suggest a few things. Off the top of my head, maybe not, but I could probably suggest a few yeah. things to you to well, listen to. Likewise with um, what we did with Chris, um, we could just put some in the show notes of the podcast. Yeah. But I think that's what's good about this album, is that it gives you like a flavour of all those different styles that he does. Yeah. And it's like, just in one contained album, it shows you just the breadth and the scope of what he can actually do as a musician. Yeah. But yeah, that was um, Weight of the World. That was it, was, it was an odd one, but it was a good one. Yeah. But then it goes into a really good closer. I really like this as yeah. an album closer. It's called A Celebration. Yeah. And, and this is, one. I think, one of the things in one of the videos he does, he kind of says he knew, he always knew this was the end of the album. You, you just, you couldn't have anything after this song. Yeah, pretty much. That's a... He knows what he's talking about, that Joe Satriani. Yeah. <laughs> but it's got a great energy. It's got a real strong country sound to it, I thought. Yeah, well, apparently, it, this song, it used to be about half the tempo and it was all acoustic guitars. That, I can see that. And that then work really it, well. It kind of wasn't working. Mm. Um, and apparently, I think he says this, he was uh, having some work done in his house or something, so he was just sat at the kitchen table playing about with his guitar. Kind of figured out what he wanted for the, the uh, actual melodies and everything. And then he was watching a film or something, and there was just this train in it chugging along. That and, makes sense. And then he swigged and got the rhythm for it, the, the driving drum beats, yeah. the, the rhythm for it, and that, that kind of finished the song for him. I should have noticed that. It's like a train. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Now you mention it, it's blindingly obvious, but yeah, yeah. that sort of driving <laughs> rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's the energy it puts into the last bit of the album. Yeah. Just to bring it home, it's really, really good. And it's a really good title as well. He's good yeah, it's, at the it definitely after the um the kind of synth morphs kind of it's not dark, but it's sort of slightly a sinister. little dark. Yeah. Yeah. And then it comes in with this and it's really upbeat and uplifting. Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's a really good change. It's got the nice falling harmonies after that as well, like yeah. just to close everything out. It's it's a really good album closer. Uh, and yeah, that brings us to the end of the album. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll let you give your overall sort of summary. Um, pretty much just the kind of things we've been saying. It's like you say, it's a really good, diverse mix of songs. Kind of shows exactly can, the kind of things it can do. Um, overall, I, th- there's not really any song. Whereas maybe on previous albums, there's a few songs I think yeah, it's not great. On this one, there's I wouldn't say there's any song I'd not want to listen to again. Um, so yeah, overall, it's for me. It's as yeah, as I've said, it already said, it's probably in my top three. I'd probably maybe even second favorite oh, no. album of his. Yeah, and I can see why. It's because um, again, going back to like what I said last week, you really did stick to the brief in terms of getting a good introduction to the artist's work. Because I really like the album as well. Oh, good to hear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd never thought like I'd always considered like that sort of music, instrumental guitar-based rock, to be. I'm not a guitarist. I yeah. don't really appreciate, you know, like, oh, look how difficult that is to do because it's not something I could have, yeah. I can practically try and do myself. But I really hadn't appreciated just how much melody and how much diversity in music there could be on the album. Yep. And that really shines through on this album in particular. And I think because I did look, you did think you also were toying between this and Shockwave Supernova, I think it was the yep. one. And I had a quick listen to some of that and I did find that a little more difficult to get into. Yeah, it's, um, I'd say that's more sort of classic, sort of just more guitar focus, but still yeah. there is the keyboards in there. There's yeah. better, better bass, better drums than there used to be. Um, but it is more crazy guitar than this album. Yeah, but the thing is, I, I, I went and initially listened to that before Unstoppable Momentum, because I sort of just listened to both. Yeah, And I think if I went back to it after listening to this, I think I'll appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, which is pretty much like exactly what you want to do from this pro- this podcast project, essentially, like to just give me an in into someone's musical work. Okay, so moving on from Joe Satriani, we go into the album I asked you to listen to, which is Platinum by Mike Oldfield. Yep. Well, the main reason I asked you to listen to this album is because it's an album I can't really be objective on. Right. Because it's an album from my childhood. I have very, very vivid memories of me and my family just driving around on holiday, like in Holland or Belgium or something like that. And just, we would listen to this album a lot. Right. I've got very fond memories of the album. I really like it, just to give it away now, but it's more difficult for me to be critical of it. So that's why I wanted someone else to bring in a critical eye. Yeah. But the reason I suggested it uh, paired with Joe Satriani was predominantly for the first part of the album. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I can definitely see the parallels with the, the first four. Yeah, the Platinum Suite was the main reason. The rest of the album is not completely out of left field, but it's it's less to do with Joe Satriani. But there's yeah. bits like, I think it was listening to Can't Go Back and having that slightly more disco-y feel. Yeah. There's a few disco-y sounding tracks on Platinum. Yeah, and I think definitely. that's what tied the two together in my head. Yeah. I suppose I should just go into asking, how did you feel about the album? Um, I'd say overall it's one of those that, there's, there's, there are some really good points on it, and then there's a few songs that are a bit, yeah, probably wouldn't sit and listen to them again. But That's fair, yeah. I definitely say the platinum suite. I I actually really enjoyed that. Um, that that was the main point of why yeah. I suggested it. So that was yeah. the bit. I, I'm I'm glad you liked that. Bit. Yeah. And then I'd say Woodhenge I really enjoyed. And then mm-hmm. there's bits of the others I really enjoyed. But overall, as songs, probably as I say, wouldn't want to keep yeah. listening to them over and over again. Yeah. I mean, like I'm not surprised you weren't too fond of Punkadiddle. Yeah. Which is. I enjoyed because I listened to it when I was first eleven, and I have fond memories of that. Right. <laughs> looking at looking at it critically, it's not very good. Yeah. Like it's got some good riffs in it, but it's a bit silly. Yeah, definitely. And it's the the main thing I thought is what's with the cheering crowd just randomly coming in all over the place. Interesting thing about the um, cheering crowd: the song "Into Wonderland." Yep. Was not originally on the album. Right. It was a song called "Sally," and "Sally" flowed seamlessly into "Punkadiddle." Right. But they changed it, so they cut out Sally and put Into Wonderland in. Yeah. 
to I guess that explains the bizarre intro that just doesn't fit Punkadiddle at all. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird. The weird thing with Punkadiddle as well that I heard was like, oh, he wrote it as a parody of punk rock. I, I can understand that. Yeah, it's sort of, but it's like, Mike, you understand what punk sounds like? It's not. It's like yeah. a little keyboard going do 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 Like what? The, what are you doing, Michael? But, but it was um. I suppose if we just go through the trucks as we did before, so there's the Platinum Suite, which is comp- comprised of Airborne, Platinum, Charleston, and North Star slash Finale. Yep. And yeah, I really like that opening suite. I think it's yeah, definitely. Even it still has sillier bits, like Charleston is a bit. Yeah, Ch- Charleston's the weakest part for me, definitely. It is definitely the weakest part. Like it's got weird scat vocals in it and stuff. Yeah. But the um, I think the intro that very restrained. It's just like a keyboard and then. I think a guitar comes in. I could ne- There's so many points in this where I can't tell if it's just a really low-end guitar or it's a bass guitar. Yeah, there's definitely a few bits where I've, I've thought, yeah, what what exactly is that? <laughs> exactly. But there's um, it's got a really nice riff running through that bit. Yeah. And then it goes into a cool sort of high-end solo. I think, again, what I tried to think with this album was that it was tying a bit more into the melodic side of, like, sort of with Satriani because Mike Oldfield isn't, he doesn't shred. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's, it is all about the, the riffs, the harmonies, the nice yeah. melodies here and there. And then keyboards come in, because yep. he's such a multi-instrumentalist as well. It's not just guitar, but it's one of his more guitar-heavy parts, I think, was the Platinum Suite. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just the reason I thought I, you might enjoy it a bit more than, say, I don't know, the last half of the album. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> is because it has that sort of, I could imagine sitting and going, oh, I'm going to try and learn all the guitar parts. Yeah, definitely. Like Airborne has a lot of different parts, so it's got the intro, it's got this initial riff, it's got another riff with slides and everything in it. It it, it transitions nicely into, it's a bit more like stomping and driven. Yeah, in... yeah, I've, I've kind of I've got written here out kind of like the nice build up, and then I I, I love it when that main riff kicks in. Mm. Uh, I've also quite an interesting guitar tone as well that runs throughout the entire album. Really? Yeah, I thought it was. It, it's weird. It's not standard. Because that's the thing. I've I've not. I'm the wrong person to talk to about guitar tone. So I was wondering what stood out to you about it. It was just kind of a little bit choppy and really trebly. I, I don't know. I just I can't can't say as I've heard many tones like it before. Because that's I think that's the thing. Where I, whenever I've tried to record guitar for myself before, I have previously gone like, eh, this sounds a bit like Mike Oldfield. I'll just do that. <laughs> and I think I have shown it to people and gone, what the hell have you done with a guitar? <laughs> Like, that explains it's just it. What I, it's just what I know about guitar. I've distorted the hell out of it and just played high things. That's yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah, that's something I wouldn't have picked up on, I suppose, then, because it's... Yeah, but his um, style of playing, I think, also might yeah, factor that, Yeah, that. probably, yeah. Because he plays with his fingers. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, that explains it. Like, he plays essentially like a bassist, like with his index and middle finger instead of a plectrum. Yeah, that, that, that'll explain the sort of chop, slight choppiness to it, and oh, I okay. guess... It, it, like you say, it's probably just really distorted, high, tra- really high treble, and yeah, it's kind of high notes. So yeah, that'll probably account for a lot of it. But it, it is slightly unusual. Mm. And even in Charleston, where that sort of drops out for a bit, and it goes into a weird, it's weird. I can't yeah. describe it any other way. It's very weird. Like the bit with the horn section comes in, and then there's scat vocals in it. Yeah. I, one thing. One thing I've got for Charleston. I've got when the scat vocals in. It's just really creepy sounded it is because of, yeah. the scats whispered and then there's the uh, like really high pitch <laughs> that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah it's just especially if you're listening in he- with headphones on oh god it's, i can imagine like because it, it goes from left to right as well it's, it's like just, pennywise coming yeah. in behind you <laughs> yeah it's it, it's really weird there's a lot of points in the album where you just think like you had a really good thing here and then you did a goofy thing yeah a really goofy thing. Yeah, like the music for Charleston is. I really hmm. like it. It is really good. But then the vocals come in and it just kind of ruins it a little bit. Yeah, the vocals are always an odd part of Mike Oldfield, even on Tubular Bells. At least that that was done intentionally to be weird. He, he apparently he just screamed into a microphone, essentially just weird noise. But when it was played at double speed, so when they, so we're recording at double speed, so when they played at normal speed, it was really like low pitched. Right. And it, it was. I think he did that because Virgin Records were saying, "Well, you need vocals on an album," and he went, "You give, <laughs> I'll give you vocals on an album." But there's there's usually a point to it. But then there's like, you've got these really nice sort of choirs singing, and yeah. then just weird scatting. It's 
I'm going to keep coming back to it because yeah, it's so it, weird. It is definitely very weird. But then it goes into North Star, which I think is probably the best bit of the album. Yeah, that's me. that's my favourite track as well. It's one of my favourite Mike Oldfield bits, actually. Because I I, Platinum, I think, is widely regarded as an average Michael Michael. Yeah, the, the thing I had with Platinum is I, I really like the riff, really like all the drums and the bass line and everything, yeah. but it, it just goes on too long. It does. The, it, the first bit is kind of it's kind of like a verse chorus, verse chorus, verse chorus. It goes on for about nearly four minutes, just the same thing over yeah, and over it, again. But it is good, but yeah, it, just, it goes on too long. Because Airborne varies it up, but it's got a great riff, but then, yeah, Platinum comes in, it's just got a very repetitive flow to it, and it's just, it does drag. And then goes into Charleston again. I really like the music. The horns are really good. The acoustic guitar runs are really good. Yeah. Shame about the scatting. We've we've moved on. But, yeah. but then then we get into North Star, and I think that's the bit that works cohesively the best. Like it's got a great build yeah, up. Very very good build up. It's just almost um, got a kind of like western sort of horse bike riding feel yeah. to it. I think this this is where the guitar works the best as a like a crescendo to a piece, like it's played really high with the treble, as you pointed out. Yeah. And it's just screaming over this yeah. sort of really like sort of building beat. Yeah. And I'd say with the vocals in Charleston being really weird, the vocals here work really well. Yeah. It's just just a nice accompaniment to everything else that's going on. Okay, that's interesting to hear. And that's, it's good to hear as well, because yeah. it's nice to end on a high note, even if you've got odd bits in the middle. Yeah. I suppose that's the Platinum Suite sort of rounded out. One thing I'll, I'll bring up with Airborne, I don't know if this is intentional, but I get the feeling, like, because with the artwork, it's a butterfly sitting on the platinum. Yeah. I, I get the feeling that with Airborne, it's kind of like a story of this butterfly kind of taking its first flight. I don't know if that's intended, because it's kind of, you get this really build-up where it's kind of like, a, maybe it's tentatively taking its first flight, it's setting off, then it kind of, the, the riff kicks in, that's kind of when it's getting its confidence, it can fly properly then. And then it kind of you get this attitude change towards the end where it's kind of more more aggressive. So it kind of maybe it's getting a bit cocky, and then something happens and it kind of, like the ending's really sort of like you get this descending kind of run. Maybe that's it's come up, maybe falling out of the sky or something. Huh. That, I kind of I got that kind of impression from it. I don't know if that's the intention. I'm not entirely sure because I, it's like I don't. This is the sort of thing I've missed having not really grown up with instrumental music. As a, I've got rec- recently got more into it in like the last two years or so, but I never really grew up with it. So yeah. I always miss those sorts of things. And I've never thought about it that way. It's yeah. very, it's certainly a plausible interpretation of it. Yeah. And I might actually have to go back and listen to that now because that's a really good, yeah. that's a good story to try and think through actually. Because I, I just kind of, I really did get that impression from it. Cause it, it that's exactly, it's kind of, it does build in exactly the kind of way you'd expect. And then there's this fall at the end. And, I, I mean, otherwise, why is the butterfly on the album art? That is it's, true. Yeah. And it's called Airborne. Yeah. I mean, I could, be, I could be completely yeah. wrong. But... But it's, well, the po- it's one of those things that I've always argued, that it doesn't really matter what the artist intended. Yeah. If you can justify what you think, yeah. then it's a valid interpretation. That's a, I need to go back and listen to that. Hang on. Butterfly. There you go. So, overall, I think, as you mentioned, a bit varied, but... Yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. As, as even Charleston, like, I really enjoy the music of it. It's just yeah. the, the weird vocals just <laughs> yeah. kill it a bit for me. But yeah, overall, yeah. and yeah, Platinum's a little bit repetitive, but I can let it off because it is a really cool riff. Mm. Um, but yeah, North Star really does finish it off brilliantly for me. I, I love that track. I would love to go and see that live one day, but yeah, I'm not sure if it does any live music anymore. But then we get into the second half of the album. Which we may as well go through. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that this is this entire review has been a bit jumping all over the place because yeah. I don't know. We there wasn't because the platinum suite is everything sort of flows into one another. You can jump yeah, about all esen- over the place. It is essentially one big song. Yeah. Because then we go into Woodhenge, which is I think it's a good come down from the entire suite. It's just a very relaxed. Yeah, start starts really relaxing. Yeah. And then, yeah, builds and builds and it gets crazy towards yeah, the Yeah, with end. the bells and everything, just yeah. the noise. I kind of, again, the feeling I got from this is kind of like, I don't know, maybe just like a journey through the woods and you kind of, maybe it's this kind of ritual going on or something. Well, it is. It, it's what... based on something like Stonehenge. It's not actually Stonehenge, but it's related to that sort of thing. I can't remember what yeah. it is, but that I did pick up on, that sort of yeah. ritualistic, druidic sort of feel to it. Yeah, definitely. It, as I say, it kind of almost, with a nice relaxing start, it's kind of maybe... I don't know, maybe someone's just wandering through the woods and then they get dragged into this ritual <laughs> that's going on. 
um, that's maybe that, that's the kind of feel I got because it, it does start really relaxing. There's not much going on, and then it just gradually builds and builds and just gets crazy towards the end. Mm. Um, that's an interesting interpretation, so, yeah. actually. A lot of these songs I'm going to have to go back and listen to again now that you've yeah. sort of gone think about this when you listen to it. Like, oh, that makes it really good. But yeah, um, then we go into into Wonderland, which again I really like because I grew up with it as a kid. Yeah, like, it's a fun track. But if I'm gonna step back and look at it. Oh, it's a doofy track. <laughs> yeah, one thing I've got written here is that it's a really strange vocal style. I don't know. Yeah. There's just something unusual about it. About the woman's voice? Just just the style of singing. Okay, right. Not not necessarily the voice, just the style that it's done in. It just really stood out as a bit weird. There's like, say you would. Like, sort of yeah. like, weird. I can appreciate that, And then going that, really yeah. low. Uh, kind of highs and then really low. That is, yeah, I'd never picked up on that, actually. Yeah, that is a... <laughs> there are a lot of those bits. Yeah, it's just really strange. Hmm. And then there's the also, again, the weird doo-woppy sort of vocals like, d- in the t- background. To be honest, strangely enough, that actually was probably my favourite part of the song. <laughs> the, mi- the middle section. When it oh, comes the solos. In. I like the solo. Yeah, the solo's pretty good. But oh, yeah, right. that, that, that kind of middle section where the, the, the strange doo-wop kind of stuff comes in. <laughs> That it's, actually was pretty good. He's a musically diverse man, if he's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to the lyrics as well, some of them are just sort of like... A bit cheesy. Will fly, honey pie. Like, oh, <laughs> Yeah. And then out of that, we go into Punkadiddle, which, as you mentioned... Yeah. Um, With this, I do really like the intro. It just doesn't yeah. f- does not fit the song in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's a good riff and everything, and then it goes into a weird, like keyboard heavy little noodly riff, and some guys occasionally going oi, and <laughs> yeah, then... and a crowd cheering. <laughs> yeah, I never really worked out because I, I, I'll be honest, I sort of spitballed the idea that it was because of Sally that it was right. Well, that was true. That Into Underland replaced a song called Sally, and Sally did go into yeah. That um, then that makes much more sense. Why, but this I don't intro there. But, but mate, yeah, that's the thing that the um the intro is a part of Sally. Yeah, it was um I think it's the chorus proceedings of Sally. I can't remember exactly. Right. I don't think that explains the ch- the crowds though, because I don't no, know if there's crowds in yeah. Sally. <laughs> Even if there but, was, yeah. why would you then have that in the next song? I know. It's, yeah, it's a weird one. A, a few bands I know do that as well. There's a song right. on Tormato by Yes, where it's just like it goes into a really cool musical breakdown, but then there's just the sound of a crowd cheering. <laughs> like, what have you done? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was just going to say, like, it's the kind of thing that I can understand maybe in certain situations it might make sense, but on this song, it really, it just feels out of nowhere. Like, it just doesn't fit. Yeah, I can, yeah, I'll, I'll grant you that. I remember it being my favourite track when I was 11. Right. So that was like, I would, I would just be sort of going, oh, they're going to say, oi, yeah. Now. <laughs> yay. And it's like, I can, I really liked it then, because it's just, it's a doofy sounding track, and it's. I was about to say it's meant to sound doofy because he's kind of taken the mick out of punk music, but I I hate the excuse of oh no I intended to make it a bit naff yeah. like well that doesn't yeah, make it like oh it's, it's intentionally bad okay I like it now yeah it's a bit of a weird idea yeah but then we we round out the album I think quite nicely on I got rhythm yeah one thing I've got with this is I absolutely love that intro melody yeah I mean it's a cover it's not um... right yeah as well one thing I've got is that it. It feels much more like a typical song than anything yeah. else on the rest of the album, so it makes sense now. Yeah, now that you said it's a cover, but yeah, I think it was a very nice, calming take to take uh, to end the album. Yeah, that's exact. I've literally got nice, calming way to end the album written down. <laughs> exact words, because <laughs> it's just sort of like ah, yeah. there we go. We've come out of some weird prog epic into a druid ritual, <laughs> into a love song, into a pop punk mad thing yeah. and it's like ah just nice calming yeah. jazz number that'll do yeah I'd say either I can't decide between this and Woodhenge which is my favourite of the second half um, yeah but it, it's definitely up there this is probably my favourite just because it's more of a song it's yeah. I could imagine more going back and listening to this more than I could so Woodhenge but okay that's good to hear anyway that it's not because I was I was kind of worried that you might get to the last half of the album and go this is all worthless <laughs> yeah why am I listening to this <laughs> where are the sweet riffs <laughs> yeah but yeah that, that, that's I guess that comes back to maybe something everyone always assumes I just I like rock music metal music that kind of stuff yeah. but I love all sorts of music it, coming back to the Final Fantasy 7 thing that I've got mm. you to look into there's a lot of 
music on that like electronic kind of techno-y sort of stuff like i love all that kind of stuff okay um it's kind of the the kind of things my mom used to listen to as well i i picked up on that kind of things okay. uh, all kind of funk and disco all that kind of stuff so yeah i've, I've got a, i just love all sorts of music yeah I've, i think i've got to, got to the point where i've like unfairly maligned you in my head for the last like oh god like eight years <laughs> just sort of like dave yeah dave those metal stuff that's about it yeah yeah so i think that rounds out the podcast really um yeah I know you mentioned it before about giving suggestions that I'll put in the podcast notes, but have you got have you had any more just off the top of your head that you might just throw out? Um, not really. No, I, I'd, I'd have to go back and listen to yeah specific songs, and then I can maybe point you in the direction. But yeah, off the top of my head, there's I mean there's lots of songs I could suggest, but if you want to make a, like a good comprehensive list, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah if you want to yeah, take I'll, some time, yeah, to I'll do take it. some. Yeah, because I think the only two suggestions I would then make for Mike Oldfield for to going into. That's like a radical departure from this because I'm I'm assuming you've heard Tubular Bells. Yeah, I've not listened to the entire thing, but obviously the the main music, obviously the Exorcist theme, yeah. that part of it. Well, I, I would say definitely, definitely listen to Tubular Bells if you haven't. I'm also right. speaking to the audience now at this point as well. I'd say in particular, I'd say, I'd say the whole album, but in particular, side one. Side right. one is, I think, the best piece of music he's put together. Right. But then also, I would listen to Omadorn. Yeah, that, that I guess that that was the other one that you were potentially going to suggest right yeah which is like that's got the reason i didn't go for that was i think it's a better album than platinum but it's less related to joe satriani yeah makes sense there's a tangential relation with the platinum suite but there's less of that on omadorn right but if you can listen to omadorn because that is more of i would say a typical early mike oldfield sound yeah because that's more you know minimal drums on it it's a lot of layered multi-instrumentation right He's made up words that they sing along to, but it doesn't sound stupid like scaffing. <laughs> yep. Okie dokie. Well, that's been episode two of Throwing It at the Shallow End. Thank you, Dave, for being my guest and for bringing me the album. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. And uh, oh, speak to you next time. Yeah. Ta-ra. See ya. See ya.